But uh, start off a little different again. There's a, I'm a history buff, or I consider myself a history buff. I don't know anybody else would say that, but I consider myself a history buff. And uh, so I studied, read a lot of books and did all that and stuff. And I also like certain movies that have some. Now, I'm not saying these are historically accurate, but there's a couple of movies that came out while back called National Treasure. Nicholas Cage was the lead in those, and then there was a National Treasure too. Anybody else here see those on television or anything? And I'm not saying everything in there is historically accurate. I'm just saying they have, they go back in history and they lead you through some stuff and you solve problems. And us men, remember, God designed problem solvers or something. So the second one starts off uh, and... uh, in the, in the Civil War period, since we were talking about the South rising again. <clears throat> and a father says to his son as he's dying, because he got shot by one of those Confederate guys, and he was, uh, he was dying, and he said, uh, remember, the debt that all men pay. And his son said, what? And he pulled him in, he said, the debt that all men pay. And that was a Playfair cipher in the movie that you had to solve this across, you know, across it, and it was the first clue to lead them to what they were trying to discover, the ancient, the uh, mythical city of gold, supposedly, that happened to be buried under Mount Rushmore in the movie. Mount Rushmore was carved there to hide the city of gold by you guys that didn't see the movie. So like I say, I'm not saying that all of it was historically accurate. But it was a five-letter word that solved this Playfair cipher, the debt that all men pay. What do you think that word was? Anybody? Death. Shelly got it. Death. Or if you saw the movie, you already knew it. Jerry already knew it, but he was letting someone else <laughs> solve, the, solve the Playfair cipher. And I'm not saying they pulled that from Scripture either, but if you turn to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. And as most of my messages go, uh, we won't, won't stay in one certain passage. We'll jump around a little bit. But the debt that all men pay, death. Say, Jeff, way to pick a morbid subject. Hebrews 9.27, And inasmuch as is it appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment. It's appointed unto men to die, and after this comes judgment. Now turn all the way back into Genesis. Chapter 2, verse 17. And for all the visitors that came to hear our pastor, see, we tricked you again. Now you've got to come back next Sunday to actually get to hear our pastor speak. We did that to that visitor over a year ago, that young couple that came and sat in the middle of the back, and I was speaking, you weren't. And I said, well, if you want to hear the pastor, you've got to come back next week. Genesis chapter 2, verse 17. This is pretty familiar. 
Adam and Eve, but the, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat it from it, you shall surely die. Then, if you turn over a page in my Bible to Genesis 3, 4, you'll see the, uh, the great anti, the great liar, and the first lie he told to mankind. Right? Chapter 3, verse 4. <clears throat> we'll start in 3. This is Eve speaking. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, or you will die. Then Satan responds. The serpent said to the woman, You surely shall not die. Right? First lie recorded that the great liar said to mankind just the or the antithesis of what God had already said. Right? And then when he, in Hebrews 9.27 it says it's appointed unto man once to die. And after that the judgment. But then the anti says you're not going to die. And so then we have through Throughout history, the uh, reincarnation, religions, and all that stuff. And nowadays, you got people like, supposedly Ted Williams, when he passed away, wanted to have his uh, brain cryogenically frozen. <laughs> so that as the science had got better and better, and they could maybe do some kind of a bo- you know, body that wouldn't die, and then stick his brain back in it or something. I don't know. But, uh, you know, man, throughout... History now has tried to cheat death, right? God says it's appointed unto man once to die. After that's the judgment. And man has spent centuries trying to come up with a better way of doing it, as Jerry was talking about in Sunday school. The great liar. You're not going to die. But God says... It's appointed unto man once to die. Then after that, the judgment. So if I was going to title this, like I always say, I was going to say maybe, well, there's another. You'll say, Jeff watches too much television. But there was another uh, Fram Oil commercial back in the 70s. Well, for you younger people, the 70s, that was a decade back in the 20th century. Uh, A while back, there was a Fram Oil commercial the old uh, garage owner that was standing there with his Fram oil filter, and he said, you can pay me now, or you can pay me later. Right? You don't change your oil. You don't go to his garage, get that filter. Of course, now they make oil. You only got to change it once a year. Right, Walt, car guy? They make synthetic oils, and you only got to do it once a year. And I used to have the old container and all that and change my oil in my own garage, and now they got the car engine turned in there sideways and shoved in there. You can't, I don't work on my car anymore. But the Fram oil guy, the commercial, you can pay me now, or if you don't change your oil and oil filter on a regular basis, you can pay him later by a whole rebuild of an engine, in, in theory, in the commercial. Right? Pay me now or pay me later. So if I was going to maybe title this message, it might be pay it now 
or pay it later. The debt that all men pay, pay it now or pay it later. Or suffer now, glory later. Right? The suffering always precedes the glory. <coughs> suffer now, glory later. Pay it now, pay it later. The word suffer appears in the scriptures in the New Testament 32 times. Just that suffer. And then there's suffering or affliction and all the other terms. I just Googled suffer. Suffer, that word just suffer, appears in the New Testament 32 times. Pretty prominent theme, right? Starts in uh, Matthew, just that term, Matthew 16, 21. You don't have to turn to all these because we'll be jumping through a lot. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and, what? Suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and then raised up on the third day. And, of course, Pastor Al's just been going through uh, Mark. Matthew seventeen twelve. I won't read all of them. It has the suffer in it. Into that verse says, so also the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. And Mark has the same verses many times. Luke seventeen twenty five, but first he must first he must suffer many things and be rejected. Suffer First, glory later. Luke 24, 26. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and then to enter into his glory? Suffer first, glory later. Luke 24, 46. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day. I was printing up a lot of these pages. My wife said, Man, you're printing up a lot of paper in there in the printer yesterday and this morning. And she goes, Are you going to try to cover all that? I said, Honey, put the roast in the crock pot. Because we're going to be there a while. Of course, that's not accurate because we're actually going to go to some restaurant after here. So she's not. But if you have a roast in the crock pot, yeah, sorry. But, but no, I can see the big clock on the wall back there. In Acts. Five forty-one. So they went on their way from the presence of the council, rejoicing... Remember, Jerry said in Sunday school, do all things without grumblings and disputings. 
So they went on their way from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer. Shame for his name. They were going on their way rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for his name. Acts 17.3, explaining and giving evidence that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead. Same in Acts 26.23, that Christ was to suffer and that by reason of his resurrection from the dead, he would be the first to proclaim light both to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. Romans chapter 8, verse 17. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we also may be glorified with him. Suffer now, glory later. Suffer now, glory later. 1 Corinthians 3, 15. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. 1 Corinthians 12. This type speaks to our church or the church, this body, this flock, specifically. 1 Corinthians 12, 26, And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. This thing, our Christian walk, is not a solo thing. 2 Corinthians 1, but if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation, or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective in the patient enduring, if you've also didn't catch a lot of Jerry's Sunday school lessons, which is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer, patiently enduring. Patiently enduring. Second Corinthians 7, 9. I now rejoice not that you were made sorrowful, but that you were made sorrowful to the point of repentance. For you were made sorrowful according to the will of God, so that you might not suffer loss in anything through us. Suffer that loss at the judgment seat. Philippians 1.29. As you see, I'm perusing through here, trying not to read. Philippians 1.29. For you, to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer 
for his sake. Suffer for his sake. And in 1 Thessalonians, I'll just pick out a verse out of all the different epistles. Like I said, it's a pretty common theme. 1 Thessalonians 3, 4. For indeed, when we were with you, we kept telling you in advance that we were going to suffer affliction. And so it came to pass, as you know. There's that idea of, you know, being surprised. And I've told before, I work in the uh, construction equipment industry. And we do a lot of... uh, we have to do trainings and stuff. We rent uh, what they call aerial booms or man lifts and scissor lifts. Uh, and we rent uh, big forklift, rough train forklifts or what they call telehandlers or lulls. But you have to have like training to be a certified operator according to OSHA. And part of the training is talking about the dangers inherent in the construction industry and, and using one of those pieces of equipment. So you got four different colored labels that go on the machines. The top one is a red one, this danger label. And then the next one down is a, a caution, and it's orange colored. And there's a change in verbiage. Like the danger thing, it says in the uh, PowerPoint presentation, if you ignore a danger label, you will get hurt <laughs> or possibly killed. And then in the orange one, the caution one, it says if you ignore an orange caution label, you could get hurt or severely injured. See the difference in the verbiage? The red danger label, if you ignore a red danger warning, don't put your hand in there. And you put your hand in there, guess what? You're going to get hurt. Right? Before I got in the equipment business, before we moved to Florida and did our little decade in the Sunshine State, uh, I worked at Southern Champion Tray over on Manufacturers Road. It's a big paperboard production place. They make, uh, you know, food trays and pop-up drink holders and pizza boxes and blah, blah, blah. Well, one of the tray machines, at the end of the tray machines, all the scrap that's getting punked, you know, off when it's forming those trays, it gets sucked down into a blower thing which has blades in there, right? So it'll, it'll cut it all up into smaller pieces and it gets sucked all the way back into a baler thing where they bail all that scrap paper together. Then they take it and they recycle it and they make it more rolls of paper. You know, it just keeps coming. Well, there's a red danger <laughs> sign right by the... Uh, that chute where that coming off the end of the machine. So if it gets clogged or whatever, you're supposed to shut the machine off, right? And then wait for the maintenance. And I don't know if this gentleman, uh, you know, years ago was in a hurry or was trying to make a production level or something, but there's a red sign right there. Don't put your hands in there while the machine's running, you know. But this day, he said, uh, you know, the machine got clogged up in there. The blade, it wasn't keeping up with, uh, you know, and the airflow was off. He didn't shut the machine down. He reached his hand up in there to try to unclog the paper. And poof, all four of his fingers gone. Ignored a red danger label, and he got hurt. 
same thing. <clears throat> we act surprised, right, when things come into our life. Like Jerry, Jerry was saying in Sunday school, instead of going to the book, we try to come up with other, you know, or we go to the uh, Christian bookstore and we get the book, Why Do Bad Things Happen to Good People? Right? Why, do, why does God let bad things happen to good people? And I'm not against reading books. I've read a lot of books. But if that author talking about a spiritual problem doesn't point you back to this book right here, you just wasted your 15 bucks or $10 on Amazon, I think. I think you can get it for 10 on Amazon. Right? When all he had to do was go to the book, why do bad things happen to good people? Why do we act surprised that these things come? What's Hebrews say? He's going to bring many sons unto glory. So if you want to know why bad things happen to good people, just read the Cliff Notes version. Right? He's trying to make many sons unto glory. So you can either... Allow the disciplining to come and learn from the discipline, or you can fight it, right? Not respond to it. Suffer now, glory later. If we refuse to suffer with him, we miss out on the glory. First Peter 4.12 Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you which comes upon you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. It's like I always talk about when I was growing up, my dad would say something to you, hey son, don't do that, and then you go and try to do it anyway. And he goes, boy, I told you that was going to happen. Right? I told you that was going to happen. Right here, God's saying, hey, I told you that was going to happen. Why are you acting so surprised? Beloved, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal. It comes upon us for our testing. But we want to run by the book. Why, why do bad things happen to good people? And read the book. Maybe he's got the author has an answer for us. <clears throat> the debt that all men pay. The debt that all men pay. <clears throat> Honey, I probably printed up too much paper, so. But uh, you pay, pay it now or pay it later, right? Sort of like Al set that precedent, though. How many times have we listen to Alan as he's preaching and he loses his place? He's got a lot of paper up here. But, but um, pay it now or pay it later. You say, well, you know, we're living at the end of this age, which I fully believe everybody in here knows we're leaving at the end times. So, you know, what, what if the rapture occurs here in about, hopefully before the preacher gets done talking, right? 
Well, I don't necessarily think it's just talking about a physical death, right? If you missed Jerry's Sunday school lesson again, right? It's not just talking about physical death. The death that all men pay. Remember what did the Apostle Paul say? I die daily. When I moved from Indiana, because I'm a Hoosier, and came and went to Tennessee Temple, we were encouraged by our Bible teacher in high school to get a life verse, they called it. A life verse. So in some of my, in my readings back then as a young, like 14-year-old guy, Galatians 2.20 stuck out to me. Didn't understand. I'm sure I didn't understand all it was talking about and all the ramifications of it. I just liked the verse. Like the book of Galatians, but I like the verse. Pretty familiar verse, but Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. If you've been coming to Jerry's Sunday School. Am I unabashedly poking Jerry's Sunday School lessons up? But I mean, right? But Christ lives in me, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Pay it now or pay it later. Whoso seeks to save his life will lose it for the age to come. But if you lose your life, now you will gain it in the age to come. And Paul said, I die daily. Suffer now glory later die to self now and gain that Zoe life in the age to come and I'm preaching to myself because uh, Alan knows my well, I, I consider myself an athlete now I'm just an old athlete out of shape way overweight don't play sports anymore. But my boys are still into physical fitness and everything. And my one older son is the general manager at the D1 training facility over there off of Gun Barrel. And him and my younger son, Josh, and they work out together all the time. And they're always on their old dad about, you need to lose some weight, man. <laughs> you know, you need to lose some weight. And I always come up with uh, bodily exercise, profitive Little. But then I also preface that and I tell them it didn't say it didn't profit anything at all. It's just it's a comparative statement, right? So as an encouragement to them, I've always said, hey, if you're going to spend an hour working out in the gym, then how much time should you spend working out in this book right here? Right? 
If you're going to spend an hour and a half working out in the gym, if you're going to spend an hour and a half working out in the gym, physically working out, then how long should you spend spiritually working out? Right? So I don't begrudge them. We got a gym membership. We hadn't been for the past five weeks, I think. But I got the gym membership, though. Okay? <laughs> we got out of the mall walking, and we went to the gym for a few months. And then uh, a couple, about the weekend, we went to the wedding, June the 30th. We didn't go for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Got out of the habit. So now we hadn't been back all through July and the first part of August. But I've got that membership. I got that going for me, right? That's what I always told them, though. If you're going to spend an hour working out physically, then maybe you ought to spend two hours in this book. Pay it now or pay it later, but the debt's got to get paid. The debt has to be paid. The debt that all men pay. Right. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to come and open your word and freely study your word. We pray that each one of us this day would have eyes to see and ears to hear. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.